0: hey strangers welcome to another episode of the strange sessions i'm krista with me is kurt and uh that's all i got how you doing kurt (laughs)
1: i'm doing okay good we it's were a, laughing at my because we were trying to be quiet, getting ready to record, and my stomach made like a synthesizer sound. Yeah, it's taking <laughs> really on weird. new forms every yeah, time. It we Yeah, it's like together. a moog synthesizer.
0: <laughs> What's a moog? Synthesizer? A moog
1: is the uh, Jamie, the one that did our 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 um, intro music and outro music. Could tell you, it's okay. like an old '60s '70s stuff wow. sounding. That's what it synthesizer. sounded like. It did. Yeah,
0: that's funny. Good times. He <laughs> should loop that into one of our <laughs>
1: <laughs> loop that into our music.
0: <laughs> Great. Uh, what should we start with? Shoutouts. Shoutouts. Some okay. shoutouts
1: to our newest strangers. And those are Brittany Glenn, who I think was a stranger before and reapplied. Yeah, so that I don't know if something happened. John Doucette, which also sounds familiar.
0: I think that's um, Coleman's brother. Or dad. Oh, that's yes. That's his dad. Yes. What's up, John?
1: Amanda Beth Elledge, Bethany Thornburg, Katie Lott, Michelle Spack, and Morgan Ambrosius, or Ambrosius which is a really cool last yeah. name. So thank you guys so much for joining The Strangers. It makes
0: me think of that salad. Ambrosia salad. Ambrosia salad. It makes me
1: think of the 70s soft rock band Ambrosia. (laughs) Nice. That's my my genre of music. Thank you guys so much for joining. Um, Housekeeping?
0: Uh, Yeah. I was going to read. I'll start with the (laughs) positive.
1: Oh, before you start, I just want to say, I I told a couple people we were going to read their emails and stuff, but I feel like this might be a longer episode. So what I think we're going to do next episode, I believe my brother Corey is going to be joining us to do a mini mystery. So Corey's going to join us, and then maybe after that, we'll do another small one where we can read emails, and I'll I'll consider that like a catch-up episode where we catch up on stuff we wanted to talk Oh, that's a good idea. Not
0: a listener submission episode, but just like... Oh, and I
1: also want to give a huge thank you to my friend Nikki for sending me a huge box of snacks because she knows my money situation's tight and I've been getting yelled at at work because I don't eat all day because it's been a bad week. I'm just going to say that because if I go more into it, I'm going to cry. So I'm not going to do that. There's no crying on this podcast. And I also want to give a huge thank you to Logan. Who sent me crystals because we got on, we got into talking about crystals because I, I was on a crystal kick for a while and I bought some crystals. So she sent me some.
0: So sweet. And
1: I will say that there was one that I brought to work two days, and the two days that I brought those to work were good days. Oh, good. So, hey, man. And you Whatever. Know, I think works. it helped. So, yeah. Th- thank you so much. Seriously.
0: I'm going to have to bring another chair down here and get the other microphone. Oh, yeah, up. for Corey. We'll put them over here, maybe. For Corey? Yeah.
1: Or, well, yeah, we'll I think figure it out.
0: Here. I don't know why. Um, I was going to read a quick little snippet from a listener on Instagram, a stranger named Christopher. And it's just a funny little thing he sent. Uh, he said, I was listening to the recent podcast about the phantom chickens of Wisconsin. I waited and the joke was never said. Poultry know. I know. I'm, I'm there I'm, I said it. I am mad at myself <laughs> for
1: not thinking of poultry geist. But. You said, I hope
0: this made you laugh. It 100% did. So thanks, it did. Christopher. It did. That's funny. Should I go into the t-shirt debacle of 2021? Uh, I'm
1: trying to think if we have any other housekeeping. Like I said, there's some people that I want to, like uh, Cadence's sister that sent me something. I want to read that. But we're going to save that stuff for a catch-up episode. Yeah. So... I'm going to have to... I'm done with that. Yeah. Like every time after we record, I'm like, oh, I forgot to thank that person or I forgot to say this, forgot to say that. So we are going to have a catch-up episode coming up. So go right into the t-shirt debacle.
0: So yeah, a lot of the strangers on Instagram or Facebook already know that I decided to take a leap of faith and get our toes wet. And (laughs) I went to an online like merch store and got some designs set up and I was really excited. Everybody was excited. Um, And... We had three designs that were ready to go and people actually did start ordering. And then within like 12 hours, I got an email that said, your account has been deleted uh, for violation of terms and services or something like that. With It was like obviously a form email with no details in it. I emailed them immediately asking what we violated and asked, how, are people going to get refunds? Like, what are, you, what are you doing to make this right? And I've never heard back from them, by the way. So good news is two people got t shirts. Well, one definitely got a t shirt, one had a shipping notice, so hopefully they have it now, and one got a refund. Those are gonna be super rare too because (laughs) those are the only ones from there. I actually so that's the next piece of news is that I'm going to be I've already started working with a friend of ours whose family owns a company that makes promotional items. And so I'm going to start with the Toy and B tile shirt because it's the only high res (laughs) artwork that we have. (laughs) Yeah. Because Chris is not a graphic artist. No, so. and also
1: our logo that I made was just literally a picture with a, some a words placeholder on it. Yeah. that I just put in there until we came up with something else. And cool all, on a five, T-shirt, though. I know, five seasons later, and it's still there. So, so I'm
0: working on getting a couple other designs together that are high res. But he he and I are working together to get the at least the Toy and Bee Tile T-shirt. the The bummer is that with this these websites that are out there is there's no cost up front. Yeah, you don't do anything but make a design. They take care of everything else. The downside. is... Is that you get like $2 a t-shirt, they get all the profits. At least this way, I'm supporting a local business and a friend. We do have to pay for everything up front, but we can also actually make some money on these t-shirts so that we can start putting more money into the podcast
1: into into the podcast and other merchandise
0: yeah so i'm excited to start with the toy and tile shirt because it's beautiful and so cool and amazing so yeah so that's the t-shirt we were so excited about that
1: then the next morning (laughs) you emailed me like uh
0: it was so deflating
1: it was it was because you were super excited about it
0: but kurt let's be real how else would we expect it to go for us oh i know (laughs) this is just how things work out for us i know so I'm going with someone I know and trust, and that's who made our stickers. So yep. at least we know <laughs> we'll, they'll deliver on what we order. Yeah. And anybody who's ordered a mug, you know you get a free sticker with that. And we do still have mugs available. Again, yep. shoot us an email if, you, if you'd if you like a mug. So cool. cool. I'm done ranting about <laughs> okay. merchandise.
1: Do we have anything else? Any other <laughs> complaint about the weather? It's not raining yet.
0: No, it's kind of dark and dreary. It's, it's Actually, gonna... the sun's trying to come out now. Yeah, I'm There's sure it will There's buds worked. on the trees and like... My seedlings now look like actual vegetables. I am impressed with your seedlings. I am excited. I have spring fever. She does. I can't wait to get out in the garden.
1: Have oh, we're gonna talk about when I had my spring break. I was off for a week Mm -hmm. and I went on a huge found footage horror movie binge.
0: And then he made me go on a found footage horror movie binge and creeped her out. Totally, in a good way. Yeah. Unless I'm lying in bed at night and I have to go to the bathroom, and it's it's funny because
1: the one that freaked you out the most was the one that freaked me out the least, which was it got
0: into my head. Hell House Inc.
1: Hell no, Hell House Hell House LLC LLC, where these people go into this abandoned hotel and make a a haunted house, like a Halloween haunted uh, house, and stuff goes haywire. Stuff goes really weird. Yeah, that one didn't freak me out as bad as it really messed with me. uh, The one that freaked me out was. Ganjiam haunted asylum
0: Yeah that was freaky And that
1: and that was one where it wasn't freaky until the last third of the movie where yeah. It was like you
0: said. It was like Silent Hill on and it steroids. Like and Hill There on... was definitely some Silent Hill. There was some Blair Witch um, yeah. moments in there too. But the scene
1: where she's like in the room and oh. she's got the camera and there's that thing and the and oh, then that was Silent and then Hill. One hundred. She turns the camera and the thing like shuffles into oh, the yes. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I just got a thinking
0: yeah.
1: about it. <laughs> that, that one I was like. Well,
0: and th- it's the kind of thing where it messes with your reality. Like she yeah. was running toward one area and when she got in there, she was in a totally different room. Yeah. That yes. stuff messes with. Me. And then, like, like
1: Krista was saying, in in uh, Hell House LLC, there was this clowns. scene where- Can I just
0: say there's clowns and they're not good clowns. Where the
1: person was sleeping and then they woke up and that girl was sitting by the bed, mm-hmm. like not looking at him. Mm-hmm. And then- He the, hides under the he sheets. He hides under the sheets for just a little bit. And then he- pulls the sheets back down and then she's looking at him mm-hmm. with these eyes that, that are, are really, like
0: white and yeah. weird
1: and then he's freaking out and he pulls the sheets over his head again and they just stay under there for the longest time and you just you know, know what's coming you know what's coming as soon as he lowers the sheets and still so, scares the bejesus but out the, of the you but the one that i was really impressed with was leaving dc yeah and it was like it was like one man uh-huh. and there was like one little scene where there was somebody else there where mm-hmm. that where his friend her interest was there i felt so bad for her i don't <laughs> he
0: but what's interesting what's psycho. interesting
1: is that you know like i didn't really realize it watching the movie but he's not a good guy he's kind of a creep oh
0: totally he's and great. i kind of didn't yeah. get that until like
1: until the yeah stuff because the after girl. after she leaves she freaks out at the sounds in the woods and she leaves he's like well she it's not like she was going to touch me anyway yeah he was totally you know creepy so about but that. that is how you do an effective found footage movie with one person yep. in one house
0: Let's just say it may have inspired some creativity projects that might be coming. It possibly up. did. I we'll totally see. forgot about that. We'll
1: see. But yeah. So other than that, do we have anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Probably. We uh, <laughs> you know, things have just been cool. Like that person that somebody joined the group and said that they recommended our podcast to one of their friends, but then their friend already listened to our podcast oh, that's and loved funny. it. Funny. And then the the two that were talking from Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. About Idaho how, exists. About how they they <laughs> they um. Suggested our podcast oh, to friends, so many yeah. friends of theirs, which is awesome. So yeah,
0: I just feel I don't know blessed. Yeah, because doing,
1: it. you know, and I hate saying it. I hate saying it because I know you and I are not great at this. We know we have our share of issues and <laughs> whatnot. But doing this like episode, forgetting entire segments, yeah, of our show, <laughs> yeah. But like f- doing this episode, I listened to so many podcasts this week. And some of them are just so bad. Yeah. Just like so bad.
0: Ours you know? is bad in like an endearing way. <laughs> yeah. Like like
1: we're not great by any stretch. No, 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 no. You know, I think we're a fair to middling yeah, podcast. we But some by. of these ones I listened to were like so bad. And they have a lot of listeners too. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, ugh. Anyway, it's <laughs> my little rant about that. Some of them I couldn't even listen to. I literally had to like, nope, I can't. Yeah.
0: You, you have know. to feel chemistry with the hosts.
1: You do, but there has to be some semblance of organization quality and quality, <laughs> you know, organization. Yeah. Not where there's like somebody is skyping in, and you can barely mm. hear that person. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, because in one of them, it was so quiet. Everybody was so quiet. I had to crank my my stereo up in my car, my volume up in my car. But then, without warning, they would go to a break where it would. I was, I really (laughs) think I might have blew my speak, one of my speakers because of that. Yeah. So, like I said, I am not saying that we are great because we are not. We're okay. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) we're like medium. (laughs) Yeah, we're mediocre. And
1: there's nothing wrong with mediocrity. I totally agree with
0: that. We have a ho dunk small town podcast. We do. That's our shtick.
1: Speaking of shtick, should we go into our taste tests?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a shtick yeah let's do it so we have something we have a box from Coleman that we need to dip into this is the
1: one that you peeked into and got a sneak peek last time
0: and then we also have we need to keep hacking away at the Norway treats so that they don't go bad those
1: chocolate hearts I had those (gasps) Those gone by the time I got home I literally ate those all the way home
0: they're amazing okay All right. I'm just gonna reach in and grab this is from
1: our good buddy Coleman
0: so I think there's two of each thing in here okay these feel like they're the same thing. Twin Bing.
1: Oh, okay, cool, because I've seen these at Fleet Farm, but Don't I they have... Look
0: like retro candy or something? Yeah, okay, I've, I've something seen these at Fleet there, but... Farm,
1: but I've always wanted to buy one, and I never did. Sugar, peanuts, corn syrup, I can eat all that.
0: Can you put that back over there? Okay, I'm going to take a picture. I'm
1: excited because I've always wanted to try these.
0: Fleet Farm always has the most unique they kind do. of candy stuff. It's all kind of like old school. I like it.
1: I think there's two bings in there. Nutty
0: chocolatey cherry treat. Yeah. Oh, so there's cherries in here. Okay. I am
1: stoked because I've always wanted to try this. Ooh,
0: they look good. They kind of look like...
1: It almost looks like a little chocolate muffin.
0: Mm, I can already tell what the texture is and I like it. I'm going to take a picture. It's like of. gritty. I can smell it. It smells Ooh, it good. It smells really good. <laughs> it does smell really good. I'm not going to eat this whole thing. Jim will be finishing this. Mmm. It does smell really good. Okay, ready? It does.
1: Yep. Mmm. Oh. That is really good.
0: Mm. I wasn't wow. expecting the cherry I was cherry not expecting center. that either. Mmm. That's really good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so good. This is really good. Mm-hmm.
1: Now I'm glad I know that our fleet farm has them so I can buy them. Wow. mm Mmm. Thank you, Coleman.
0: I've never had anything like this. It's really good. It, I love the texture. I like the chair.
1: I like the middle.
0: I just love the texture of the the chocolatey, peanutty stuff on the outside.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. This is really good.
0: It's really good. I'm gonna give it a ten.
1: I'm hovering between nine and ten. Mm-hmm. I was it too, is...
0: but I can't think of a reason to give it a nine. So I can't
1: either. I'm gonna give it a ten. Mm. 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 Thank you, Coleman. Yeah. Yummy. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's not what I was expecting, but I really no, liked it. No, it's delicious. <laughs> That's what she said.
0: <laughs> oh, that was delicious. Mm. Okay. Something from Norway? You reach in and grab weird something. weird because
1: we haven't had a bad one yet this season, have we? <laughs> you just jinxed, us. No. You're pulling not, out something She would not, not have us something no. bad.
0: Probably not. We don't make bad stuff in Norway.
1: God, there is a lot of stuff in there's here.
0: There's a ton of stuff in there. Holy cannoli. Spit. Well, maybe there's a cannoli in there. That's Italian. Though, so in a box. Weird. She said that she. Ooh. Jump.
1: <laughs> <Gomp.
0: laughs> Didn't she gomp. say she taped together the ones that have hazelnut? Oh. Where's that letter? Bear with us, people. Food notes: the candy marked with the pink have the mark of my of may contain nuts. Okay. So Kurt. Eat at your own expense. <laughs> okay. Eat on your own expense. That's cute. But then she put at question mark. Yep. The things with hazel- hazelnuts, hazelnuts are taped together for Krista. So this has hazelnuts. Okay. So let's pick something okay. different because you can't. Taste
1: when that. Corey is here, you guys can try those. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Good idea. I'm so glad she did this. I that am was too. Very Thank you so much.
1: Oh, that's a lot. We're gonna hold off on that one until like, <laughs> Corey is here. I'm gonna get us a small one.
0: Huh. It says not. English translated knob. <laughs> they're knobs. <laughs> so they're knobs. What are they? They look like little little I don't know. Candy. They kind of remind me of like what a sweet tart would look like yes. in teeny tiny form. Okay, let me take a photo. The packaging is so cute. They it always is. have like these little characters on them. Okay. I'm going to gracefully open this bag. Oh, did you look see at that? that? Boom. Look at you. I'm Just gonna dump a couple out. That's whoop. That's more than a couple. Here you go. Nuts. I don't think there's any danger of these containing nuts. Nope. Just saying. I gotta Ooh. start talking into the microphone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what were you just saying before you took these out? You'll know <laughs> as
1: soon as you put them in your mouth. Oh. <laughs> it's the black licorice flavor.
0: It's totally black licorice flavor. These are like crunchy good and plenty.
1: They're not bad.
0: And they're not horrible.
1: They're like weirdly salty.
0: Yeah, they are kind of salty. That's interesting. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Oh, weird. They do have a salty like.
1: Yeah, like mm. salty black licorice candy.
0: Let's make Cory taste those too.
1: <laughs> Corey likes those.
0: Does he like black licorice?
1: I think so. I'm weirded out by how salty they are.
0: Yeah, but uh, good. I love salty and oh, sweet. Oh, I do
1: too. But mm. it's messing me up because it shouldn't be that salty.
0: Yeah, I don't <laughs> love black licorice. I mean, I, the good and plenty's grew on me, but not enough that I want to actually eat. You know, they're there, so sometimes I grab one. It's like
1: when I was a kid and I used to eat the salt pellets from our water softener. I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> which like could explain a lot today. about yeah, me. Yeah, that probably explains
0: a lot. <laughs> I'm giving these like a six because they're not vile.
1: I'm going to give them a I'm going to give them an 8 Ooh, wow. because they're interesting. They're
0: growing on you. They're growing on me. It's not one of those things where you you can rate it based on does it taste like nope. what it says it totally is? like? I'm totally giving it an
1: 8. I have come around to liking you? them. Yes. They're they're okay. Once I got used to the salty sweet.
0: I like the twin bing better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so thank you so much, guys, for yeah, the food. Yeah, thank you. We mm. have so
0: many taste tests. I had So, I had so do we got our sugar have to open that?
1: Oh, we also have a package I need to open from. We're not sure who.
0: Oh, yeah. Mystery package. Hopefully there's a note in here.
1: Hopefully it's not a severed arm. Well, no, it could this? be a hand. It could oh, be a hand.
0: This says Don Hansen, around the clock gifts, but we don't know if Don. Oh, it's Idaho.
1: Wow. We are very. A lot of Idaho synchronicities centric. with Idaho lately. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe we need to go there and see that picnic table.
0: We should. My uncle does live there, so we'd have a place to stay. Using my ceremonial dagger slash.
1: And I like that. So many are from Pocatello, which, you t- which we talked about in the. Uh-oh.
0: I got a sm- a weird smell just came out of here. Okay. Oh, boy. It says, a little gift from Idaho. Hope you enjoy. Angel. It says. Oh, oh it it's from Angel. Food.
1: <laughs> Let me see.
0: It's got to be some kind of food. Because it's it says Idaho spuds. Or Idaho spud. Oh. Twelve count box of famous Idaho Spud chocolate candy bars. So oh. it's a box of candy, candy bars.
1: bars. We, do you want to try one?
0: Let's do it. Because then we Yellow. can save the rest for one. Thank yeah, you yeah, so yeah. much, Angel. Wow. I think this is our first Idaho taste test. On, yes, because to he's oh, oh
1: I, hang on, he he.
0: Something weird about maybe it's the the box smells funny. Something Angel clean. said
1: something he wrote in the I, I can't remember if Angel's. A, Boy or girl? Yeah. I don't but they know. said about uh that they were sending it that it was too bad we already did the Idaho one because they were sending us something from Idaho for a taste test. Oh yeah, that so was what they just is. mentioned yes. that on Facebook, yep. right? Okay. Yep. All
0: right. I'm that's that's, gonna...
1: that's that's just fine because we had oh, so man. many so many Idaho box. synchronicities lately. That's
0: crazy. I, I just can't believe we got a whole entire box of candy bars. Okay. Okay. Let's just open one. Okay. So is there like potatoes in here? <laughs> like, is that why it's like? Called Idaho Spud.
1: No, but it does have something in it that I love.
0: What's that? Corn syrup. That is, is very. Uh,
1: I'm just kidding. A lot of people don't. What? Coconut. Oh, I love coconut. So do I. Open her up.
0: Okay.
1: Ooh, now we're gonna be all sugared Getting
0: up. Very messy over here. Ooh, I mean, I'm just gonna whack this thing in half. Oh, it's soft. Oh. Intro- oh, your stomach. Oh, <laughs> as
1: soon as I saw the food, my stomach gurgled.
0: It's like, it, it reminds me of the middle of a Three Musketeers. Yes. Okay, I gotta take a picture of that. Oh, it smells good. Okay, ready? Yep. Oh. It's yep. marshmallow
1: Mm-hmm. It, rem- it mm. reminds me a lot of a moon pie.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is good. This is really good. Wow.
1: Wow. Wow. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna give that a 10. Because mm-hmm. that's really good.
0: That's really, really good. It's like melty good. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I need a trip to the dentist now, but. <laughs> you wanna throw that out?
1: That was a lot of sugar.
0: Wow, yeah. Oh. Nothing but leafy greens for the rest of the day.
1: Corey's mm. gonna have to have one of those next. Oh, that's so good.
0: I'd give one to Jim, but he hates coconut. Oh my god. He's a monster. Okay. That was good. No, that was really good. All right.
1: Okay, you ready to jump into I'm today's ready for topic? The sugar
0: crash. Yes, I'm ready.
1: I'm gonna start it off with a new segment that <laughs> might as well be a recurring segment called Kurt apologizes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, I had a really bad week. Mm-hmm. We've ascertained that. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't work on this as much as I wanted to. Oh,
0: stop. It's going to be a great episode.
1: It's not bad. There's a lot, there's a lot here. It might be a lengthy episode. But what I did was I bit off more than I could chew because there's basically three topics in here that could possibly be an episode on its own. Mm, okay. So maybe there's one that I would definitely like to revisit, if nothing else, in a mini mystery. And okay. that would be about underground shelters that we know about now that but used to be secret, like Mount Weather, Raven yeah. Rock. Phil Schneider alone would be one, but we're gonna talk about him. And Dulce base could probably be a whole one. So we're going to talk about all three of them in here. So consider this, again, an hors d'oeuvre platter (laughs) where we might revisit these. But I just wanted to get things organized better. And to uh, some of these, I don't have citations where I got them from. But I intended to work on it this week, and I didn't. So I'm sorry. But there's a lot here. So are you ready? I'm ready. So our main story is going to be about DUMBs, D-U-M-Bs, Phil Schneider, and Dulce Base. And this is one that Chad Bonin, one of our listeners, one of my friends, mm-hmm. who has been having some health issues, wanted for the longest time. The Phil saw... Schneider one? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we're going to be talking about DUMBs, D U M B S, which stands for Deep Underground Military Bases. These are underground bases used for military or scientific purposes. And while it's not known how many of them exactly there are, it's speculated that there are over 10,000 of them around the world. And these are hey. ones that you don't know about. Ah. When you find out about them, they're, it's believed they're decommissioned and not used anymore.
0: And moved somewhere else.
1: Uh, yeah. So from a really good article from dailyoddsandends.com from June second two 2015 called, quote, Right Beneath Your Feet, The Hidden Reality of Deep Underground Military Bases, the article says, quote, The United States has a history of government agencies existing in secret. The National Security Agency, or NSA, was founded in 1952 and its existence was hidden until the mid 1960s. Even more secretive is the National Reconnaissance Office, which was founded in 1960 but remained completely concealed for 30 years. I had never really heard of the National Reconnaissance Office. Mm-mm. Recent leaks from Edward Snowden, who we talked about in other podcasts, a former intelligence contractor, have shed light on the black budget world. This is a world full of special access programs, or SAPs, that garnishes trillions of dollars every year to conduct operations the public knows nothing about. These programs do not exist publicly, but they do indeed exist. It they reminds me of, like,
0: the Born Identity. Yeah, they are better known <laughs> as
1: deep black programs. A 1997 U.S. Senate report describes them as, quote, so sensitive that they are exempt from standard reporting requirements to Congress. One aspect of these deep black programs is the development of deep underground military bases. Richard Nolan said, quote, The military utility for underground construction is obvious. I recall years ago studying the matter in the context of the American Cold War military strategy. During the 1950s, motivated by a fear of Soviet missiles striking American installation in cities, military planners recognized the value of secure facilities deep underground. So that's, it's no secret that, right, especially with satellites now, mm-hmm. where you can look <laughs> on Google Maps and see. And I don't think I mentioned in this area, but one thing that's interesting is that some of these bases that they did their best to keep 100% secret uh, around the world, like their intelligence you know, organizations know the layout of the base because a lot of the soldiers had Fitbits or (laughs) things like that that they would go jogging on the base and forget that it's tracking it and, like, uploading it to the internet. So they would see, like, routes of roads and and stuff like that. Wow. Who would have thought of that, though? Yeah, I know. I know, but some of them, I think, I can't remember which one it was, but it's like an open thing where if somebody knows you, they can go on there and look to see where you ran. Like mine will do that. If I go on my Ice Age trail and use GPS, I can go home and look at exactly where I ran and I can can make it public so anybody could see it. Oh, funny. And some of these people did that and forgot about it. (laughs) Whoops. Another reason to have good underground bases. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) There are also known underground facilities in existence and they can go up to several miles underneath the surface. Take, for example, the Swedish Underground Military Facility at Musco. It's a large naval base built underneath a mountain. The hospital alone within this facility holds over 1,000 beds. Musco engineers blasted out 1.5 million cubic meters of stone in order to build it. Hmm. In 1987, Deputy Director of Engineering and Construction for the United States Army Corps of Engineers, Lloyd A. Dusha, gave a speech at an engineering conference entitled quote, "Underground Facilities for Defense: Experience and Lessons." In the first paragraph of this speech, he states the following: quote, "After World War II, political and economic factors changed the underground construction picture and caused a renewed interest to think underground." As a result of this interest, the Corps of Engineers became very involved in the design and construction of some very complex and interesting military bases.
0: Your dad was in the Corps exactly. Of Engineers. Exactly. And so Corey
1: okay. and I talked about this, that I am wondering now if my dad wasn't involved, involved, in, involved in a lot of these underground... Because like I, I've mentioned on here, when after he died, Corey and I got his, calendar, like his journal of mm-hmm. where he was, and he was at... You know, I, I got out of him. He was at Area 51, but mm-hmm. he was at Fort Knox. He spent a ton of time in New Mexico. He was at uh, Dugway in Utah, which is supposedly like the new Area 51. Mm-hmm so and he was a driller
0: so when you say that what what kind of drill i this is silly but i was watching um oak island and i'm like it's not that kind of drill right those huge drills that they put I, in the ground i i know or was what it his like machine a hand-held thing? i know
1: no i know what his machine looked like and it was like a drill drill like uh like he was in a cab of a of, okay. a, of a truck and it okay. was a drill that came Maybe out from under a smaller underneath.
0: version of what's yeah. on Oak Island.
1: But I'm okay. wondering if that's Corey and I, because Corey still wants to send a Freedom of Information Act yeah, to that'd find be out. But so Corey, after studying this stuff, I'm like, I'm kind of convinced that that's kind of what he was involved in. Yeah. And we'll get into that with like. But Phil, didn't Phil know Schneider. until he
0: got there what he was doing, kind of thing. Or right? he
1: knew, I mean, but he just he couldn't did. talk. That he was helping build these underground military bases. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as I'm reading this, I'm like, I wonder if that's what Dad was involved with. Um. And then then he said in his introduction, I must deviate a little because several of the most interesting facilities that have been designed and constructed by the Corps are highly classified. He then went into a discussion of the Corps' involvement in the 1960s in the construction of the large and elaborate NORAD base built deep beneath Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. We're going to talk more about that later. This is just a public statement, but you will not find a more significant public admission of these secret underground bases than this one. People speaking is not the only evidence available. There are actual documents obtained by researchers through the Freedom of Information Act that shed more light on the subject and clearly outline plans for the contraction of new underground facilities. The world's most prominent researcher on underground military facilities, in my opinion, Richard Sauter, Ph.D., told of an interesting story in his book, Hidden in Plain Sight, that I'd like to share with you. In the book, he says, quote, as it happens, after giving a public talk a couple of years ago, I was approached by a man who had been a uniform member of the United States Navy. We chatted for a while, and when he mentioned that he had spent some time at China Lake, my ears perked up. I asked him if there was an underground facility at China Lake. He said that indeed there is, and that it is impressively large and deep. I asked him if he had ever been in it, and he said that he had, although not to the very deepest levels. I asked him how deep the deepest part extended. He looked at me very soberly and said very quietly, "'It goes one mile deep.'" I then asked him what the underground base contains. He said weapons. I responded, "What sort of weaponry?" And he answered without pausing, "Weapons more powerful than nuclear weapons." Uh, okay. So there's stuff. That's freaky. Uh huh. And this is just all the from...
0: idea of being that far underground is yeah. so freaky to me. Yeah.
1: This is all from that same article. Okay. Uh, the reality of deep underground military bases is extremely fascinating. There is an enormous amount of evidence that proves their existence. Secret military bases used to be labeled in a conspiracy theory category. Not long ago, the Department of Defense officially declassified the existence of Area 51. We know that the military operates at these defense installations, and it's safe to assume that a number of classified projects go on within them. One that seems to be a common occurrence that's related to deep underground military facilities One that seems to be a common occurrence related to deep underground military facilities are UFOs and extraterrestrials. Dolan shared an experience he had with a politician who was at a deep underground military base. He was briefed on the extraterrestrial reality and said that ETs and UFOs are just the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to information that's concealed from the public. Researcher Timothy Goode has been privy to information from a variety of sources, including private ones, that discuss a variety of locations around the world for alleged undersea and underground extraterrestrial bases. Abductees and contactees constantly refer to deep underground installations within the planet. Could the extraterrestrial phenomenon be directly related to deep underground military facilities? I've had two personal encounters with Canadian military personnel. One of them was a Coast Guard veteran. He personally told me that if I really wanted to know about extraterrestrials, quote, come work with us, and then you can ask them for yourself. This is something I'll remember for my entire life. The second one was bizarre. I encountered a senior Canadian Air Force officer, had a short conversation with him, and brought up UFOs. He instantly turned around and started walking away from me. Mm -hmm. About an hour later, in a completely different location, he walked right by me and didn't even look at me, accompanied by two men in suits. Well then. I just wanted to get across that deep underground military facilities are not a conspiracy. What happens beneath our feet is garnishing trillions of dollars from the black budget for special projects that the majority of the human race knows nothing about. So it's a given that these exist. Oh, sure. You know, and I was going to talk more about some of these ones that were secret, but we know about, but I'm going to save that for uh, another episode. But we're going to talk a little bit about Cheyenne Mountain and NORAD. This comes from a July 27, 2015 article from the denverchannel.com called 13 Secrets of NORAD and Cheyenne Mountain. The article says, quote, During the height of the Cold War in the late 1950s, the government decided to build a hardened command and control center as a defense against long-range Soviet bombers. That facility was built inside Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado Springs. While the facility was occasionally open for tours, that stopped entirely after September 11, 2001. And obviously you know why one of the reasons why it would be in Colorado. Mom. Because you know when this was started they were they felt that if an attack happened it would be the it would hit the coasts oh. first. So they wanted something in the center of the country that sure. would be the farthest away from the coasts. When the Cheyenne Mountain facility opened in the late 60s it was the NORAD Combat Operations Center. The mission was to watch for ballistic missile or air attacks against North America. Over time, the mountain facility began housing other military operations, including the U.S. Strategic Command, U.S. Air Force Space Command, and U.S. Northern Command, or U.S. NORTHCOM. I don't even know what that last one is. In 2006, NORAD and U.S. NORTHCOM moved its main command center to Peterson Air Force Base 15 miles away, and many people thought Cheyenne Mountain had closed. However, Cheyenne Mountain's Deputy Director Stephen Rose said the Cheyenne Mountain Complex is still NORAD and U.S. NORTHCOM's alternate command center, and that there are still more than a dozen government and Department of Defense agencies inside, but there are some that he can't publicly name. The bunker lies 2,000 feet underneath Cheyenne Mountain outside Colorado Springs, Colorado. It can be sealed off by two giant blast doors made of concrete and steel, each three and a half feet thick and weighing 23 tons. Those are big doors. It takes 45 seconds for built-in hydraulic machinery to close the blast doors. If the hydraulics fail, two people can close them by hand. One door usually remains shut at all times during the Cold War. Since then, commanders ordered them closed only once on September eleventh. Hmm. There are fifteen buildings inside the mountain, one mile inside from the opening and two thousand feet down from the top of the mountain. Workers can't just walk inside to their offices, they have to take a bus. So that's huge
0: just boggles the mind to think of what kind of logistics and work oh, yeah. it took to build this to build this, build this thing.
1: under and inside a mountain
0: yeah inside a mountain is what's boggling my mind and this
1: this okay uh, the office complex inside is made up of 13 three-story buildings and two two-story buildings but this next one boggles my mind These buildings are all freestanding buildings connected by hallways and ramps inside. The buildings are on more than 1,300 giant springs and built 18 inches away from the rock walls in the mountain so they can move independently if there's an earthquake or a blast. Wow. So they're actually like on their own shock absorber that if something happens... You know, it's not going to shake and hit the mountain wall well, you because said they're springs.
0: On... I thought you meant like water. No, no, they're <laughs> like,
1: on actual springs. That it, it's like this giant,
0: like wily e. coyote size. <laughs> yes. springs.
1: yeah. That it's on all these giant springs, so that if if it does get hit, it's just going to bounce and not not hit <laughs> I don't the know wall. Why it's funny to me, but it is. I know, but it just baffles my mind that the they foresight did this to do that in the '60s. Yeah. So wow. God only knows what they're doing now. I
0: guess it's the safest place to work. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, virtually any natural disaster, you'd be safe in there.
1: Yep. The article goes on to say, however, Channel 7 News got a rare tour inside and learned some secrets of the mountain. One of the secrets, Cheyenne Mountain is still open for business. About 350 people work inside the mountains on most weekdays. The number drops to about 120 to 130 on nights and weekends, but there's room for that number to surge much higher in wartime if needed. The workers in Cheyenne Mountain don't have windows with offices because all they would see is a granite wall. However, they do have some perks inside the mountain city like a workout facility, a spin gym, a hospital, a chapel, convenience stores, and more. There are also five lakes inside the mountain. One lake is filled completely with diesel fuel and it's sealed behind a closed wall. Cheyenne Mountain gets its power from the city of Colorado Springs, but if the complex has to be sealed off, the diesel would be used to power underground generators. The other four lakes are water reservoirs like you would see outside. One is used for drinking water for the complex. The other three lakes are industrial lakes. The water in the industrial lakes is used during peacetime for firefighting or whatever is needed. In wartime, that lake water could be used as part of a backup heating and cooling system. So, I mean, it's like a complete little city. Self-sufficient. Yeah, it's like yeah. a self-sufficient. Uh, I didn't. We're going to talk more about... Uh, like, but another one that was secret for the longest time is Raven Rock, and that actually has a Starbucks inside of it. <laughs> of course.
0: Because <which> <laughs> m- there's a Starbucks which is, on Yeah, corner. which is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: The disclosure wiki states, quote, There are underground bases and facilities all over the place in cities all around us. There are people that walk into buildings and take elevators that are service elevators that the rest of the public doesn't know about. They go down several more floors than anyone that works in the building knows about, get on an underground train system, and are shuttled to anywhere in the world in a matter of an hour or two where they can work at anywhere these underground... Anywhere in the world? We'll get into that. Okay. That... And these small cities are absolutely spread out all over the place. It also says the DUMs, deep underground military bases, recycle air from time to time, ventilating the air out of an underground base makes a trumpet noise, almost like a tornado <gasps> siren.
0: Come on. Some
1: of these trumpet noises people are hearing on a wider scale in the skies are actually coming from venting the air in deep underground military bases. Sky
0: sounds. That's the episode Jim was on. <laughs>
1: that so that's a possibility that, mm. that, that has Does something that to do... Did that come up in that episode? I don't remember. I don't think deep underground military base no. bases is venting, you know.
0: Hmm.
1: <sighs> so, Making uh, connections. Yep. And... Uh, I I don't remember if it was Phil Schneider, but we're going to get into him later, but somebody said that there are at least four of these underground bases in every state in the country.
0: Really? Yeah. I just wouldn't imagine Wisconsin having something like that. I wonder
1: where it would be if we did, because I don't know a lot about... We have some military bases. We do, but but he said that there are at least four. So say that there are a lot of these bases around the country. You would want an easy way to travel between them. According to the website not 100% sure how factual this rep- this website is but according to the website reptoids.com the website says quote government whistleblowers and retired military personnel have publicly stated that during their employment they observed that our government has a massive network of tunnels with super velocity trains linking secret underground bases hmm. Thomas Costello, we're going to get to him later, the former Dulce Bay security officer, reported to an associate that Dulce had a tube shuttle station linked to several other secret underground bases. At first hearing these statements seems too far out to be true. We've all seen television shows about tunnels, and they always show how expensive, dangerous, and disastrous near-surface tunnel construction can be. So obviously, an undertaking such as constructing a massive sci-fi like network of underground tunnels would take too much money and hundreds of years to build. Not so say scientists. In 1972, Robert M. Salter, lead scientist with the Rand Corporation, Rand Corporation Mm -hmm. comes up a lot in conspiracy theories. Mm
0: -hmm. It almost sounds like a made-up. It does, like uh, on
1: Fringe. What was the massive dynamic? Was like the corporation on Fringe? Yeah.
0: Or what is the on? um, What's the video game? They're movies now. Doom? No, Mila Jovovich. Oh, Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah like the Umbrella, the Corporation. Umbrella Corporation. Corporation. Yeah, like the Umbrella Corporation.
1: Yeah. Uh, Robert M. Salter, lead scientist with the RAND Corporation, announced during an interview with L.A. Times science writer George Getz that a high-speed system could be built using existing technologies back in 1972. He also stated that the system should be built for economic and environmental reasons. So on August 2nd, 1972, Salter wrote a RAND document numbered P-4874. The publication was titled, quote, The Very High Speed Transit System, or the VHST. The 17-page report detailed the technologies involved, possible attained speeds, aspects of economic and security benefits, and potential routes. This document reported achievable passenger speeds at 14,000 miles an hour. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. (laughs) That's a little... 14,000? That's a little... That's a little, I don't know. Even though the National Geographic, History, and Sci-Fi channels have programs exposing the underground cities of ancient civilizations and storage companies, only our imaginations can provide insight into how extensive a national security network of tunnels might be if the black operations world were given the green light to begin construction on it. By using conventional rock drilling tunnel boring machines or TBMs, it would take decades to complete. Whereas using the more advanced TBMs developed by Los Alamos Labs, the construction costs have been sharply reduced, the time required to build tunnels lessened, and the inherent dangers of loose rock tunneling avoided. According to numerous eyewitnesses and former government employees, the system already exists and is currently being used by the shadow government, their black ops forces, plus favored corporate entities. It is said that a direct link from New York City to Los Angeles, California using these tunnels and technology takes potentially 21 minutes. Which is crazy to go from New York to Los Angeles in twenty one minutes. I
0: rumors just can't even fathom that.
1: Rumors say the shuttles travel by the use of high intensity compressed air and are extremely fast. I also hear magnetic, you know, maglev systems, which makes sense because on a magnet you could you could go crazy fast. Mm-hmm. You know, on a maglev system. The shuttles travel by use of high intensity compressed air and are extremely fast. Inflatable airbags inside the shuttle cushion you from the impact of turns. The ride can be sickening enough that every seat has a vacuum-powered chute to capture vomit as soon as you lean into it,
0: like G-force stuff. Yeah. Happening? So
1: I don't know if I want to g- ride on something terrifying. that actually has a, like a designated vomit tube, right? You know, but <laughs> I don't know. You know, like.
0: It just sounds a little bit too science But there, science there are pictures
1: of these tunnel boring machines. I mean, these tunnel boring machines exist. Yeah. And I think Phil Schneider, will, oops, get into this, yeah, says uh, that these they have special machines that actually liquefy the rock and instead of, because people always say, if they're How? taking this much rock out of these mountains, where are they, why, putting, where are it? they putting it? And it uses like a nuclear powered drilling thing that liquefies the rock And it both liquefies the rock and it leaves like a glassy Hmm. shell for the tunnel to go through. So, but I don't know. I don't know. You know,
0: it's this is all news to me. Like I was. There are people that
1: one hundred percent say that we have these Hmm. shuttles that are deep underground from us that that are used by the military. Wow. This, you know, some people speculated maybe this is what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch. Is that there's Stuff going on there, you know that there's some of the sounds and stuff are tunnels underneath there,
0: maybe this explains like teleporting <laughs>
1: you know people some people say that's what the uh, the trumpet sound was was it maybe these tunnels getting dug hmm. or the air escaping right. from them hmm. but we know that there are underground installations, some of mm-hmm. them are fascinating. we're going to be talking about them there's the one be- uh, there's the one underneath I can't think of the name of the hotel the Greenbrier is it the Greenbrier but there's a hotel. I want to say somewhere on the coast, like Virginia, somewhere in that area, where when it was being built, like other contractors came in and there's an entire system built below it that nobody knew about. People have worked there for 30, 40 years, never knew that there was this underground bunker underneath it until it came out. And then it's immediately declassified because Mm -hmm. it's no longer a secret. Right. So that's a fascinating topic. And we'll have that maybe for another mini mystery episode, but... They're, they exist. We know these places exist. So the question is, have we gotten so advanced with technology that, and these were built in the 60s, 70s. Right. So like I Imagine said, God only knows what we now. can do now. Hmm. So I, I, we know that there's some of these there. So if there's some of these there, there's got to be tons of them. Hmm. You know, there's so many right. of them. And one of the biggest ones is rumored to be below Dulce Base. Dulce. I, I have, I've always thought this was Dulce. New Mexico. I always thought it was Dulce. I always thought it like was Dulce. Dulce de leche? Yeah. I always mm-hmm. thought it was Dulce, but apparently it's Dulce. Okay. So I might end up saying Dulce. I might end up saying Dulce.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I don't know. The big D. The big D. <laughs> oh boy. But no, it's uh that is where one of the biggest deep underground military bases is supposed to be. Dumba. So Dulce was founded by the Gomez family as a ranching operation. The original name was Agua Dulce, Spanish for fresh water, because of the presence of natural springs that provided good drinking water for the people and their animals. The original homestead was founded in 1877 by Jose Eugenio Gomez. The Jacarilla Apache Reservation was established in 1887 when the Apache people were forced onto a reservation. The Gomez Ranch is currently kept under Manuel Gomez ownership, though surrounded by reservation land. It has a population of about 2,700 people, so it's a small New Mexico town. In the 1970s, a New Mexico state police officer trooper named Gabe Valdez started documenting a rash of unexplained cattle mutilations in the area. Where some cattle deaths are explainable, Valdez felt that these weren't. In a radio interview, he said, quote, the evidence that was left there, you know, predators don't leave gas masks, glow sticks, radar chaff. They don't leave that stuff.
0: Not glow sticks? They don't leave glow sticks. They <laughs> didn't go to a rave first? No. <laughs>
1: but there <laughs> but there was this weird rash of cattle mutilations in that area. Hmm. Then, in 1979, Albuquerque businessman Paul Benowitz had his own company, Thunder Scientific, that was located next to Kirtland Air Force Base, New Mexico. Benowitz began seeing strange lights in the sky over the Air Force Base and became convinced that he had started intercepting electronic communications from alien installations and a spacecraft outside of Albuquerque. By the 1980s, he believed he had discovered a secret underground base beneath the Archuleta Mesa near Dulce that was operated jointly by aliens and by the military. He contacted the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, or ARPO, about his beliefs and they basically said he was nuts. So much later, towards the end of the 80s, former special agent for the U.S. Air Force of Special Investigations, Richard Doty, and we talked about Richard Doty before, and I don't remember what episode it was. Maybe the Philadelphia Experiment? I know the name, though. Yeah. Uh, Former special agent for the U.S. Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Richard Doty, claimed that he was tasked with hoaxing documents and feeding false information to UFO researchers, including Benowitz. And UFO researcher William Moore claims that he tried to push Benowitz, who had already been in a mental health facility three times due to severe paranoia, into a mental breakdown by feeding him false information about aliens. So, and that's one of the big problems is disinformation. Right. You know, when we get into Phil Schneider, is Phil Schneider possibly disinformation? You know, the more that if they're doing something, the more that they get people to be convinced that there's aliens and stuff there, the more everybody else is going to blow it off.
0: Totally, yeah. You know, that's what
1: disinformation is, is Mm -hmm. putting like stuff out there that isn't true and sometimes it's so bizarre and...
0: It discredits anyone. It discredits anyone that's even
1: looking into it. But it surprised me because William Moore is kind of a big name in UFO research. Like I have books that he co-authored, but he says that he was... I don't remember. I think the government wanted him to feed false information Mm. to because people were getting too close to some of the, the truth. Which wasn't necessarily extraterrestrial, but it might have been military things that we did not want people to know about. Black ops stuff. Yep. According to a June 19th article on Mysterious Universe by Nick Redfern, I love Nick Redfern, there's a chance that uh, uh, Brian and Lauren might be able to get an interview with Nick Redfern on their show, and I would love to chat with Nick Redfern. Very cool. Yep. According to a June 19th article on Mysterious Universe by Nick Redfern called, quote, Dulce's Underground Alien Base, Real or Not?, he says, quote, "More than a decade before Benowitz came to believe the awful rumors of Dulce were true, the U.S. government already had a stake in the area and its surroundings. A contingent from the Atomic Energy Commission headed into town and set up what was called Project Gas Buggy. It was a subproject of a much bigger project called Plowshare. The plan was to detonate way below ground a small nuclear device as a means to try and extract natural gas." The operation went ahead on December 10, 1967, and it worked well. The bomb was detonated at a depth more than 4,000 feet below ground. Oh my God! Years later, certain figures in the UFO field suggested that the natural gas scenario was a cover for something else. You may already see where this is all going. There is an enduring belief within certain factions of ufology, ufology that the nuke was actually used by a panicked government to try and wipe out an alien base and the extraterrestrials said to live deep within it. Even to this day, it is highly illegal to dig in certain areas around Dulce on the orders of the Atomic Energy Commission. Hmm. So something's going on at Dulce, yeah. And it seems like something has been going on at Dulce Base. It, it's 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 not a, you know, I used to think Dulce was a base was an actual military base, but it's not. Dulce Base is this rumored base that okay. is below the town of Dulce. So then we get to Thomas Edwin Costello. T.C. or Thomas C. or Thomas Costello are pseudonyms of an alleged insider of the unconfirmed Dulce Base. So this Thomas Costello said that, he was asked once if that's his name, and he said, quote, my name changes when I think someone's asking a question. So it's obviously not his real name. People don't even know if he really existed. You know, obviously a lot of this is conjecture. A lot of this changes from site to site, depending on what you read. But there was supposedly this Thomas Costello that worked at Dulce Base. So an excerpt from the book Cosmic Top Secret, The Deep Dark Secret at Dulce says, quote, As a high-level security officer at the joint alien U.S. government underground base near Dulce, he had learned of and had seen disturbing things. After much inner conflict, he decided to desert the facility and to take various items with him. Using a small camera, he took over 30 photos of areas within a multi-level complex. He collected documents and removed a security videotape from the control center, which showed various security camera views of the hallways, lab, aliens, and U.S. government personnel to take with him. Then, by shutting off the alarm and camera system in one of the over 100 exits to the surface, he left the facility with the photos, videos, and documents. The originals were hidden after five sets of copies were said to be made. Thomas was ready to go into hiding, but when he went to pick up his wife and young son, he found a van and government agents waiting inside. His wife and child had been kidnapped. He had been betrayed by a fellow worker. The agents wanted what Thomas had taken from the facility in order to get his wife and son back. When it became apparent to him that they would most likely be used in biological experiments and were not going to be returned unharmed, he decided just to head out. (laughs) He said,
0: see you later. Good luck. Check ya.
1: (laughs) Good luck. Yeah, so he ditched them and just took off. Wow. So that was supposedly, according to the article, that was over 10 years ago. How did Thomas get involved in all this covert intrigue? Thomas, now in his 50s, was in his mid-20s when he received top-secret training in photography at an underground facility in West Virginia. For seven years, he worked in high school photography, oh, high school, high security <laughs> photography in the Air Force. Big difference between high school photography and high security He's photography. He's on the
0: yearbook He's
1: on committee. the yearbook committee. <laughs> in 1971, he left and went to work for the Rand Corporation, no, more oh, Rand, Rand Corporation, Corporation, in Santa Monica, California. In 1977, he was transferred to the Dulce facility. He bought a home in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and worked Monday through Friday. He commuted to work via a tube shuttle system deep underground Hmm. at this time a fellow researcher was working security in santa fe new mexico and was privately investigating ufo sightings and animal mutilations also investigating masonic and wiccan groups in the area (laughs) Sure. I think you can leave the Wiccan groups alone. Probably. I think think they're okay.
0: What's interesting is that the the tube system is just a casual sidebar. It's not like the focus of the conversation that he mentions. That's how he traveled. Oh, yeah.
1: Underground monorail. Yeah. Yep. So Thomas had a mutual friend who came to Santa Fe in 1979 to visit both the UFO researcher and Thomas. This visitor later viewed the photos, the videotape, and documents taken from Dulce Base. Drawings were made from what was seen and later circulated in the UFO community as the, quote, Dulce Papers. Thomas alleges that there were over 18,000 short gray aliens at the Dulce facility and that he saw reptilian humanoids.
0: 18,000? That's Just, like, lot. wandering around? Yeah, or...
1: I guess. A colleague had come well, face... Like,
0: walking down the hall with some coffee and a briefcase? <laughs> that's like, what, that's I don't what, understand. That's, what, that's what
1: they were saying, like, one of the <laughs> podcasts I listened to because they're supposedly seven-foot-tall grays and small grays. Sure. You know, and it's they like said like the small greys are like the worker greys. And it's like, do they have like a little like business casual on or sitting at a computer <laughs> right. drinking coffee? Uh, you know, but they said there's supposedly 18,000 short greys at the Dulce facility. That's a lot. A colleague had come. I would fi- consider
0: eight a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I would too.
1: A colleague had come face to face with a six foot tall reptoid, which had materialized in his house. This reptoid showed an interest in research maps of New Mexico and Colorado that were on the wall. The maps were full of colored pushpins and markers to indicate sites of animal mutilations, caverns, locations of high UFO activity, repeated flight paths, abduction sites, ancient ruins, and suspected alien underground bases. The multi-level facility at Dulce is reported to have a central hub, which is controlled by base security. The security level goes up as one descends to lower levels. Thomas Costello is said to have had an Ultra 7 clearance. He knew of seven sublevels, but there may have been many more. Most of the aliens supposedly are in levels 5, 6, and 7, with the alien housing on level 5. The only sign in English was over the tube shuttle station hallway, which read, quote, to Los Alamos. Connections are said to go from Dulce to the Page, Arizona facility, then onto an underground base below Area 51. Tube shuttles go to and from Dulce to facilities below Taos, New Mexico, Detail, New Mexico, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Creed, Colorado, and then on to Carlsbad, New Mexico. So supposedly there's a, hmm. this, all these bases with this underground system, aliens working below Dulce. So. <laughs> Making coffee
0: in the break room. Yeah. Yep. Burning popcorn in the microwave, probably. Yep. Stinking up the joint.
1: So here's some more about Thomas Costello. Uh, he was a young sergeant stationed at Nellis Air Force Base. He got the job as a photographer, which we already talked about. But
0: every time we do that, I think but I'm
1: loving it. Because I got my <laughs> McDonald's coffee. So it said that once arriving at Dulce Base, Thomas and several other new recruits attended a mandatory meeting where they were introduced to the quote big lie, saying that the human subjects being used for genetic experiments were hopelessly insane, and that the research is for medical and humane purposes. Oh my God. Beyond that, all questions were to be asked on a need-to-know basis. The briefing ended with several threats of punishment for being caught talking to any of the, quote, insane, or engaging in conversations with others not directly involved with one's current task.
0: I I, I appreciate them trying to make it sound ethical. Yeah,
1: exactly. Venturing outside the boundaries of one's own work area without reason was forbidden, and most of all, discussing the existence of the joint alien U.S. government-based any outsider would generate severe and, if necessary, deadly repercussions. Thomas did his job as supervisors demanded. At first, his encounters with actual greys and reptilian beings in the base were exhilarating, but soon he became acutely aware that all was not what it appeared to be. The multi-level facility at Dulce is reported to have a central hub, which I mentioned, that's controlled by base security. Both of the aliens are supposedly on levels 5, 6, and 7, with alien housing on level 5. So the structure of the Dulce base is supposedly level 1, general security and communications. That's the top level.
0: Okay. The, like one, closest the one nearest to the, to the surface. Okay.
1: Level two, human staff housing. People said it's funny because if you don't know there's aliens there and you happen to visit that, and you're like, why does that say human staff housing? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, level two, human staff housing. They
0: keep the livestock down below. Level,
1: level three, offices and labs. Level four, mind experimentation. Jeez. Level five, alien housing. Level six, genetic experimentation, also known as nightmare hall. Level seven is cryogenic storage, and under this is an unknown cave system.
0: This is just like straight out of the movies. It is.
1: It it, it gets. It gets. It gets weirder. It gets weirder.
0: Thomas slowly
1: began. Thomas slowly began to sense that there was an underlying current of tension existing between some of the personnel and himself. Once in a while, he would walk around the corner, interrupting serious discussions between coworkers, and as Thomas was a security officer, these talks would quickly die off into a short murmur, and individuals would part company. Hmm. That happens anywhere.
0: Sure. <laughs> so what are you guys
1: talking about? <laughs> Nothing. Gotta go. <laughs> Bye. One particular part of his job was to go into various areas of the base and align the security monitoring, monitoring cameras when it was necessary. This afforded him the opportunity to venture out and witness things that would stagger the imagination. Later, he reported seeing laboratories that investigated all of the following. The human aura, astral or spirit body voyaging and manipulation, psi studies, advanced mind control analysis and application, human brain memory recognition, acquisition and transfer, matter manipulation, human alien embryonic cloning, Rapid human body replicating by use of energy-slash-matter transfer, complete with an individual's memory from a computer's memory banks and other scientific advances. Once in a while, Thomas would see some of the horrifying genetic creations that were being housed in separate sections of the base. These, he knew, couldn't have anything to do with mental illness or health research. Thomas didn't want to look any further. Every time he discovered more pieces to the underground maze, it became more and more overwhelming to accept. His curious mind, however, implored him to search for the truth regardless of his own desire to turn away in horror. One day, Thomas was approached by another employee who ushered him quickly into a side hallway. Here he was approached by two other gentlemen that whispered the most horrifying words. The men, women, and children that were said to be mentally retarded were, in fact, heavily sedated victims of abduction. He warned the men that their words and actions could get them in big trouble if he were to turn them in. At this, one man told Thomas that they were observing him and noticed that he was too uncomfortable with what he was witnessing down in the base. They knew that Thomas had a conscience and they knew that he, they had found a friend. They were right. Thomas didn't turn them into his commanders. Instead, he made the dangerous decision to quietly speak with one of the caged humans in an area nicknamed Nightmare Hall. Through their drug induced state, he asked them their name and their hometown. Thomas then discreetly investigated the claim of this so-called insane human during his weekends outside the facility. He discovered through his searching that the person had been declared missing in their hometown after vanishing suddenly, leaving behind their traumatized family, who had followed dead ends and trailed flyers. Soon he discovered that many of the hundreds, perhaps thousands of men, women, and children were actually listed as missing or unexplained disappearances. That is so horrifying. And that, that's to kind think of about. that kind of ties in with missing four one one. Some of these yeah. people that maybe are disappearing. Because a lot of people speculate that a lot of these bases, if they want people to if they don't want anything built near them and they national want them parks. somewhere quiet, they're gonna be underneath national parks.
0: <sighs> that's disturbing. It is.
1: Thomas knew that he was in way over his head, and so were several of his coworkers. All he could do until the situation somehow changed was to be alert and extremely guarded with his thoughts because the gray aliens had telepathic capabilities that allowed them to read the minds or feelings of those around them. Supposedly, they can't read minds, but they can read feelings. Like, if you're if you're hiding something and nervous about it, they'll know.
0: So they're, like, empaths. Like, like
1: highly intuitive empaths. In 1978, tensions within the base were extremely heightened. Several security and lab technicians began to sabotage the genetic experiments. Increasingly frail nerves and paranoia finally erupted in 1979 into what is commonly referred to as, quote, the Dulce War. It was a literal battle between the reptilians and the humans for the control of the base. It was the reptilians more than the humans that were pushing the big lie and insisted on using humans in their experiments. And those who did not survive the experiments were used as sources of liquid protein which fed the embryonic gray fetuses that grew up to be grays.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now we're getting a little out there. It, I mean we gets, were already gets, out there. It gets
1: out there. Oh that my that gosh. basically they are
0: So the reptilians are controlling the base. The actually.
1: reptilians are the ones in charge. Like the grays are like the workers and like the people that the genetic experiments but, that fail, the Are used as food. Are used as food. Working with the aliens on these these experiments.
0: We're just like their sidekicks, I guess.
1: But but aliens are said to live off of our glandular secretions. That's great. Yeah. So, (laughs) like I said, it's (laughs) this is this is this is a lot. Yeah. The initial Dulce War conflict began on level three. No one is exactly sure how it started, but we know through Thomas's accounts that it involved the base security forces armed with beam weapons known as flash guns, machine gun-toting U.S. personnel and the gray alien species who had apparently tried to turn the base security forces and the U.S. military forces against each other. When the smoke cleared, 68 humans had been killed, 22 were completely vaporized, and 19 escaped via the tunnels. Seven were recaptured, but 12 remain in hiding to this day. Thomas returned to his post, awaiting planning of his own escape. After one of the weekends away from the facility, he decided to return to work, and this is when he took all that stuff. You know, he took all that stuff with him. He during his time inside the base, he removed photographs of the facility, treaties signed with authentic signatures between California Governor Ronald Reagan, several other individuals, and the Greys.
0: I want to know what their signatures look like.
1: (laughs) I do, too. (laughs) He also managed to retrieve a seven-minute black-and-white surveillance video of genetic experiments involving caged humans, grays, as well as schematics of alien devices and complex genetic formulas. These items, he felt, were not not only his chance to a seat at the bargaining table if the need arose, but they were also things that the public needed to know about. So he made several copies and gave them to his friends in a situation that something happened to him. And that's when he went back to his wife and son, who he found with government agents, and he dipped out and was like,
0: later. So this reminds me of, have you seen all of the Alien movies? No. So there's one later, I think it's maybe the fourth one, Winona Ryder is in it. And Ripley is now a hybrid of oh, a alien. Oh, I human did see that and one, yeah. Alien. Yep. And there's this part in the movie where they come across like an experimental lab where they were clearly doing genetic experiments, yes. yeah. and there's some really messed up yeah. versions of Ripley in yeah. there. Yeah, that's, that, that's kind of what this is. That's kind of yeah. what this
1: is like. These people that go missing, they're being experimented on, Ugh. because we at one time supposedly had. This is also going to be a, a mini mystery. We had a supposed treaty with them that for technology they could take our people and experiment on them, but we needed a list of who they were experimenting on and what they were doing. Hmm. So he went up, his wife and kid were being held by government agents, and he went on the run, and it says he quickly dissolved into a lonely life on the run. So there's this interview with him that you can find online in several places, so I'm just going to touch on a couple things that he says in the interview. In one of them, he says, quote, "...the subterranean highway in America is like a freeway except it's underground. The highway depends on electronic motors for the paved roads, and it is for limited travel. There is another style of transit for freight and for passengers that is rapid travel." That worldwide network is called the subglobal system. It has checkpoints at each country. There are shuttle tubes that shoot the trains at incredible speeds using a maglev and vacuum method. They travel at a speed that excels the speed of sound. Part of your question involves the location of entrances to that base. The easiest way is to The easiest way to answer is to say that every state in the United States has them. Frequently the entrances are camouflaged as sand quarries or mining operations. Other complex portals are found on military bases. New Mexico and Arizona have the largest amounts of entrances, followed by California, Montana, Idaho, Idaho, here's more Mm -hmm. Idaho, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Kansas, Arkansas, and Missouri. Of all the states, Florida and North Dakota have the least amount of entrances. Wyoming has a road that actually opens directly into the subterranean freeway. That road is no longer in use, but could be reactivated if they decide to do so with minimal cost. It's located near Brooks Lake, Wyoming. The interviewer says, could you give me more information on the reptilian race? What do they do on the sixth level? He answers, the worker caste does the daily chores, mopping the floors, cleaning the cages, bringing food to the hungry people and other species. It is their job to formulate the proper mixture for the type 1 and type 2 beings that the Draco race, those are the reptilians, that's the Dracos, hmm. the Draco race has created. The working caste work at the labs as well as the computer banks. Basically speaking, the reptilian races are active at all levels of the Dulce base. There are several different races of aliens that work on the east section of level six. Uh, the Greys, the Nordic faction, the Dracos. The humans are second in command of those levels. I had to argue with one of the large Draco bosses frequently. His name is difficult to verbalize. It's pronounced with a throaty kahash. <laughs> <laughs> kahash. Huh. I usually just called him Karsh and he hated Zentite. it. the draconian leaders are very formal when talking to the human race these ancient beings consider us a lower race karsh called me leader costello but it was used in a sarcastic way however the worker caste is friendly enough as long as you allow them to speak first they will answer if you address them they are cautious beings and consider most humans to be hostile Eh, they might not be wrong there they also seem very surprised when they found that many humans were open and trustworthy There is no fraternizing with the aliens off hours. It is forbidden to speak to any alien race without a clear business-oriented reason. Humans can talk to humans and alien can speak to alien, but that's as far as it goes. At the work site, it's different. There is free speech in the labs. The camaraderie found in the labs also reaches the computer bank section. In those areas, everybody talks to everybody. However, everything changes the minute you cross the threshold of the hall. Instantly, all conversations become strictly formal. Hard as it was, several times they had to arrest someone simply because they spoke to an alien. It's a strange place. That's an understatement. And then the interviewer asks him, what's your biggest fear? And then Costello answers, that the general public will forget the trapped innocent people in that despicable place and will ignore the hundreds of children, women, and men added to that place every month. And it is said that Thomas Costello was killed a year after this interview took place. Hmm. So it sounds like they finally got him. People don't if know if he any really. Of this is true. If any of this is true, people don't know if he exists because
0: I don't want to think any of this is no, true. No, but right, this could have just been a made-up thing. Oh my god, it
1: could totally have been a made-up thing. Yeah. So now we get to Phil. Two more. now we get to Phil Schneider. Phil Schneider's interesting. I've watched a lot of Phil Schneider videos. They're on. He he spoke at at conventions and stuff. So Phil Schneider was an engineer, a supposedly self-taught geologist, and an explosives expert who said that his job was to figure out what explosives to use and what material to then use to build deep underground military bases. He claimed that the United States had built 130 deep underground military bases since World War II, and he said that he had worked on 13 of them, including the one at Dulce Base. He said that scientists and aliens worked together at Dulce Base.
0: What's interesting about this is that this is a person who's that actually is there. speaking yeah. in front of people. Yep.
1: He also claimed to be one of the survivors from the 1979 Dulce War. He said that he was missing toes and fingers that were blown off by an alien weapon known as a flash gun. And that's, in the, in, 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 uh, the interviews, that he shows it. He has a scar on his chest. Oh, I thought you meant is, the gun. No, he shows his fingers being that were blown off by the flash gun. He says, I got shot in the chest with one of their weapons, which was a box on their body that blew a hole in me, opened me like a fish, and gave me a nasty dose of cobalt radiation. I have had cancer because of that. So, from the UFO Alien Database Wikipedia, it says, quote, Phil came out as a whistleblower in 1994, and it's believed that the reason he did is because his friend and co-publisher of the Alien Digest magazine, Ron Rummel, was found dead from what they determined was suicide, even though a few things about it were kind of suspicious, like the fact that no fingerprints were found on the handle of the handgun. The suicide note was written left-handed while Rummel was right-handed, and there is blowback blood on his hand, but there is no blowback blood on the gun. So that was sketchy. Hmm. There was some sketchy stuff with his friend's suicide. Hmm. So people are convinced he was murdered. Sure. And this comes up again. So for the next two years, Schneider went on the convention and lecture tour to expose some of the things that the government was covering up. He also talked about how his father had been involved with the Philadelphia Experiment, which we talked about in an earlier episode. Mm -hmm. In 1979, Phil Schneider was employed by a company called Morrison Knudsen, and they had him building an addition to a deep underground base in Dulce, New Mexico. Four holes had been drilled in the desert that were to be linked together with existing tunnels, and Phil's job was to go down into those holes, check rock samples, and recommend what explosives should be used to deal with that kind of rock. Phil said he realized something was up when he noticed how many Special Forces soldiers were there at the time. they just got done drilling the last hole when a strange smell like burning garbage came out of the ground. Phil lowered himself into the hole and found himself face-to-face with a, quote, "'7-foot-tall, stinky gray alien.'" He pulled his pistol and killed two of the aliens, but the rest of the aliens began firing their weapons at him, blowing off some of his fingers with the blue bolts from their weapons, and he took a blast to the chest from a beam weapon, which he said gave him cobalt cancer later in life. He said that a green beret that had come down to the cave with him saved him, pushing him back onto the service elevator and sending the elevator back to the surface as the green beret was killed by the aliens. It's said that 66 humans died that day at the alien-human battle of Dulce Base, and Schneider was one of the only three people who survived. Hmm. After coming out with all of this information in 1994, he began to tell people that he believed he was being followed and monitored. He said that there were 13 attempts on his life after he came out with this information about Dulce Base. He told a good friend of his, quote, if I ever commit suicide, I was murdered. Okay. On January 17, 1996, Schneider was found dead in his Oregon apartment. From the UFO Alien Database Wiki, quote, On January 17, 1996, Phil Schneider was found dead in his Wilsonville, Oregon apartment. He had apparently been dead for several days. His body was found in what appeared to be an unusual position. His feet were under the bed. His head was in a wheelchair seat at an unusual angle, and the rest of his body was on the floor, hands at his side. Blood was found on the floor near his wheelchair, but no blood was found on his wheelchair or him. No wounds were on his body to account for the blood. No suicide note was ever found. So when they found him, he had been there a while and it had been very hot Ugh. and he was
0: bloaty and bloaty. Yeah. Very,
1: very bloaty. Schneider's death was considered to be caused by a heart attack or a stroke, but what about the blood, something though? didn't seem right. So. They had Why a, was there a wheelchair? They because he was in a wheelchair at the time, apparently. Okay. So after he was in the morgue for a little while, they went back and looked, and the bloating had went down, and they found that he had had a catheter tube wrapped around his throat, three times and knotted in the front.
0: That's weird. So it was, it was on him. Yes. But they couldn't see it because of the bloating. bloating.
1: So this was around his neck three times and knotted. In the, front, In the front where he, where he could was have choked, it. where he was supposedly choked.
0: Right, so he wouldn't have done that to himself.
1: No. No wounds that were on his body to account for the blood. No suicide note was found. His death was said to be caused by heart attack or stroke, but later analysis was the catheter tube. That suggested his death was motivated by strangulation. His ex-wife also noticed that Phil's lecture material and notes for his unwritten book on UFOs were also missing from the apartment, but money and valuables remained untouched. Cynthia was told by Detective Randy Harris that there were marks on his neck. An autopsy report revealed that a rubber hose had been wrapped around his neck three times and tied in a knot, which blocked the blood flow to his head, resulting in him becoming unconscious and then dying. The official cause was changed to suicide. The medical examiner took blood and urine samples at the autopsy and said that they would save them for when they wanted them checked. But when it came time for, the, uh, for his ex-wife to check them, they had been lost.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's convenient. So,
1: yeah, it says samples were kept for 12 months. When interested parties asked for these samples a few months later, it said that they were missing and presumed destroyed. His ex-wife said, quote, Philip had missing fingers on his left hand and limited motion in his his shoulders. I believe that it was physically impossible for Philip to have held a rubber hose in his left hand with missing fingers and then wrapped the hose three times with shoulders that had limited mobility and strangle himself. And he had pills, lots of pills in the house. He had guns. And she is like, why of all the ways would would he do this? Right. You know, so...
0: The blood is what's throwing me.
1: Mark Rufener, a longtime friend of Phil, said, quote, I saw Phil the weekend of January 6th and 7th, 1996. We were going to buy land in Colorado. We were excited because he was going to hire me and help write a book about his knowledge on UFOs and aliens, about the one-world government, and the black budget. He did not commit suicide. He was murdered, and it was made to look like a suicide. In the weeks leading up to his death, several friends and witnesses saw him with an unknown pretty blonde-haired woman, and people wonder if she was involved somehow. And several psychics have attempted to make contact with his spirit, and he apparently told them that he was murdered. Hmm. So... These videos are on YouTube if you want to watch, like, his lecture videos. But it talks about all the stuff that we talked about, that he was in this underground base with these aliens. He, when his friend was killed, he came, wanted to come forward and let people know what was going on. And, you know, like, one of the podcasts I listened to said that he's obviously an engineer because he's very dry.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, like, listening to him go
1: on and on and on. I work
0: with engineers, and they are the driest
1: people. he seems... Like genuine when he's talking about this stuff, but stuff also changes in his story, mm. from time I to have time. A problem with that. So that's really what I got. Hmm. <laughs> you know, do
0: I mean? Do, you know, did maybe somebody... I'll, I'll
1: post one of the in the strangers after I post the episode. One I'll post one of his lectures that you guys can watch. You know, but the it's his weird lectures, that
0: there's common threads between these di- totally different stories. Part but... of me
1: wonder. Part of me wonders if Thomas Costello wasn't Philip Schneider. Mm. You know. Or
0: somebody who heard his lectures and was like, "I can make up a total backstory." No, because
1: Thomas Costello was before. Oh, he was. So it's like, was was, I just don't get it. Hmm. There's a couple of theories, you know. There's Philip Schneider was nuts.
0: Sure, or or, or a compulsive money. liar, just trying to make money. People off of it.
1: people that like from other podcasts looked into this and said he was getting like a good, really good government pension, and you get next to nothing for
0: right. what
1: you're for going on the the UFO circuit yeah tour. what was his motivation if it exactly wasn't true? exactly is he a compulsive liar hmm. is he nuts is he a disinformation hmm. agent that they sent out to you know maybe there's military stuff going on at dulce base and they don't want people looking there so they send someone out to make it sound as crazy as possible
0: his claims weren't as wild as thomas though
1: no but they, they they're they this they get they down. definitely they get tie there. into they get the there. same yeah that he was involved and they they shot his you know, but in some accounts they had like a flash gun that they used to shoot his, and in some accounts there's a box on their chest that the aliens wave their hands in front of, then it sends a blue beam out. You know, if
0: you did that on accident, You're just I, yeah, beating I don't know. People up to the I night. don't know,
1: hmm. but he said I mean, that it's all a little far-fetched. I don't remember what the exact number was, but he said that there are currently eleven alien species on Earth or that are involved with Earth, and I think he said seven of them are good and four of them are bad.
0: And they're all in these underground bases or just wandering around out in the open?
1: (laughs) But, you know, some of the stuff did tie in with missing people. You know, it didn't come Mm -hmm. out and say missing 411, but it said people that go missing from national parks, you know, and they said, if you're going to have one of these underground bases, you know, one of the podcasts I listened to, I wish I wrote her name down, was a lady that wrote a book about military, hidden military bases. And she says a lot of them are in or bordering national parks where they can do stuff without really being noticed. Right. She That's says d- that it a does lot of these sense. national parks, there are roads that go off that are never used, mm-hmm. that are entrances to these bases.
0: Hmm.
1: Is there one below Point Beach? <laughs> you know, up by never me, know. right? You know, like I don't know. I mean, it, the thing is that, like the way this is set up, it goes from factual to kind of crazy. You know, mm-hmm. there's obviously kinda underground, bases. There's yeah, obviously underground bases.
0: Yeah, I don't doubt
1: that. Yeah, and. What goes on in these underground bases, we don't know.
0: I could even potentially buy some kind of train system. Yeah. I don't know that they go 14,000 miles per hour because that just seems insane. But what
1: I have a hard time with is thinking that there's all these scientists and stuff working with aliens. And everybody keeps it mostly quiet. Right. You know.
0: Someone hasn't leaked that until yeah. now except these couple of people who yeah. are both dead now.
1: Yeah. And what about these people that died in the Dulce War? You mm-hmm. know, were their families notified? Was it just, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: is it like when you work at Area Fifty One, like yeah, I don't know.
1: You know, so I I don't <sighs> know what I think, but there's a lot of stuff about Dulce Base. Like Dulce Base is supposedly like a huge alien human base.
0: I I tend to think there's always an ounce of truth in it all. Yeah. It's just, this goes off the deep end. Yeah. So I'm going to end me. this with
1: a quote from writer Mike Rothschild who investigated the myth for the skeptical website, Skeptoid.com.
0: Like Rothschild? Like Like Rothschild? one of the Rothschilds? I don't okay. know. So maybe <laughs> maybe
1: he's disinformation. Disinformation, Yeah, from right. Skeptoid.com. He says, quote, there are no real pictures of it. And one of the things is I, there's this picture floating around that supposedly that shows the aliens in these cryogenic chambers. And it's, it's from a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So <laughs> Nice try, though. Yeah, so it's like, nice try. But, yeah. So Someone will believe it. So this Mike Rothschild says, quote, there are no real pictures of it. There's no physical evidence of roads or vents or doors or anything of the sort. Even though tens of thousands of people must have been involved in the building, staffing, and guarding the base, no one has ever claimed with any credibility to have worked there or that their family member or friend was killed in a shootout or experimented upon. I can't conclusively prove that Dulce Base doesn't exist, but nobody can conclusively prove that it does. Hmm. Until that proof emerges from the ground, Dulce Base will remain a strange story created by troubled dreamers and not a house of alien horrors. Hmm.
0: I mean, that's, I can get behind all of that.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like when you watch these videos with, and apparently this Phil Schneider was friends with, with, uh, Al Bielek, who was one of the, who was the one on the Philadelphia experiment that was said to go back in time mm. to when he was a child and then raised with a different family. Hmm. You know, so it's like...
0: All these crazy claims. Yeah.
1: It's like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't want, I it seems so hokey and it does. dumb.
0: It's a it's a bad sci-fi movie. It's a bad
1: sci-fi movie, but what if it's real? I mean... <sighs>
0: That's horrifying to think it about. It is horrifying to think
1: about. You know, but what's going on right under our noses. You know, like a lot of people say, what if aliens have always been here underground and they don't come from the sky, they come from below us? I could buy that, I could buy that too. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff with caves, yeah, like the the cave system. Hmm. So, I don't know. So, there you go, there is deep underground military bases, Phil Schneider, and that was a lot, Dulce Base. And I said, there's those three could have been each. Like I could have went into a lot more. Oh, sure. One of the things uh, wh- I didn't wasn't going to get into this, but one of the things from the autopsy of Phil Schneider. So if you got any strangelings, you might want to cup your hands over their ears for the next minute or so. But his w- his ex wife said that one of the red flags was that his autopsy report said that his penis was quote unremarkable. So, taking, which taking that's most, not true. Most are. <laughs> and she says that uh, they obviously didn't look at it because apparently when he was in the Vietnam War, he was near a landmine that went off. And the quote was that the bottom of his penis was split open like a hot dog bun.
0: Oh, that sounds horrible So
1: she said that he always had a problem with that, that it had this huge opening, that it was slit on the bottom. And then they she didn't said, Stitch it back up. They like, did, but you know, I guess it's stitched, it's going to look like a football, right? You know, <laughs> right. so not it, just
0: your basic circumcision no, scar, no, no,
1: but I guess it was pretty noticeable okay. that that had happened. And then when the autopsy report said it was unremarkable, she's like, it, They obviously didn't look so that, is she
0: almost uh, claiming that wasn't her husband.
1: No, she's claiming that they falsified everything. Okay. Okay. I it's hard to get a grasp on her because from stories that Phil Schneider said she was a badass just like him mm. where she she somebody was was going to kill him but then she had a gun to that person's head Dang. and stuff like that. So okay. but she says that that shows that they didn't really do an autopsy that he was murdered and that they know he was murdered and I'm not going to lie his his death is fishy. It's
0: very suspicious. But
1: People are like, why would you kill yourself like that? And the thing is, if you're so delusional that you want people to think you were murdered, to to be shut up, would you arrange a messy suicide to make it look like you were murdered so your legacy would continue? That people would be like, see, he was obviously murdered. He didn't Mm -hmm. kill himself. Right. So if you were going to kill yourself, would you do it in such a, would you come up with such a way that it would look like you were murdered?
0: But why would you kill yourself?
1: Maybe he was just, he was in a lot of pain. He had this cancer. Oh. He had, I want—I don't remember if it was MS or something, but he had something else too that he was in a lot of pain. Hmm. And he blames all of that from that, that beam Blast that hit gun. his chest.
0: Hmm. The blood still throws me. If there was yeah. blood at the scene and there was no yeah. source, yeah. I don't get that. So,
1: so that, you know, people speculate that he managed to injure whoever it was that was killing him. And that's where the mm. blood came right. from.
0: That makes sense.
1: But so much of this comes from secondhand sources, and sure. it's, a lot of this changes from story to story that I read, and it's hard to get a firm grasp on it. But this is like the bare bones version of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So.
0: Out there, man. It's out there. It's out there.
1: You know? Is stuff like the Philadelphia experiment, Dulce Base, is that stuff true?
0: I hope not. You know? <laughs> I'm sure to some degree there's truth, like but I said. D-
1: but this made me wonder: What did my dad do? Right. Did, did my dad know about this stuff? Did he right. help build these bases? If he, if he was the one that helped drill the hole underneath the Washington, the Russian embassy in Washington D.C., he had high sec- security clearance. Mm-hmm.
0: So he was at Area 51. Uh, yeah.
1: So was he doing stuff like this? Mm-hmm would love to know <laughs> so would, so would cory and i cory could do Corey a whole says, series Corey says dad. that he has those forms the freedom of information act but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get anything yeah
0: that's true they'll give you but the there's the thing that he stuff. told
1: my aunt my aunt told me that he told her one time he said when i people ask what i do i tell them i'm a driller for the corps of engineers but i do so much more than that
0: oh yeah come on
1: yeah so i don't know <sighs> did he know about this stuff was this stuff my dad did you know, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like you
0: said, even if Corey did file that, you're just going to get the, it's all going to be, what do they call that, redacted. He'll get a bunch of stuff where like there's three words out. on yeah. it because everything else is blacked out. It's all blacked out. So
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? Dulce Bass, Phil Schneider. Um, I'm going to put one of the videos up in the group that you'll be able to watch it. I think it's like a little over an hour long. You know, I don't know. Some of this stuff is just out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, oh,
0: some of it. Most but, of
1: it's out there. You know, look at the QAnon stuff. A lot of people buy into the QAnon stuff.
0: What's QAnon stuff? Oh, Have we talked that's about that. That's a whole different okay. political
1: topic. We're not going to discuss oh, okay. that. Okay. But, but that's like crazy conspiracy theory stuff, yeah. and that stuff like that the pedophilic elite are killing babies and drinking the adenochrome or whatever that was from the babies but that kind of goes ties in with this where they said that the aliens live off like the mm-hmm. glandular secretions and they it's said that in the in one of the levels of dulce base there's almost like all the blood and 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 glandular matter goes into this tub at the alien soaking, almost like a hot tub oh, and that on. revitalizes them. So, I just don't buy this stuff. So there you go. What do you guys think? Dulce Bass? Yay? Nay? Bad sci-fi movie?
0: Bad sci-fi movie. So,
1: okay. Now what do we do? Uh, questions?
0: Yeah, let's do some questions. And then we have our songs. Yep. time is it? Uh, hour and 35 minutes. Do okay. I do a pickle joke? Sure. While you looking up questions. All right. oh I did this one last time what's red and green what a sunburned pickle <sighs> <laughs> come on these are always good laugh out loud jokes for kids <laughs> what is a duck on the 4th of July what a fire quacker <laughs> see that's at least cute that is at least cute. and it makes sense did you find our questions i can't get the site to work oh is it because we're in a deep underground base <laughs> we are in our no deep, We should down have called here. this our deep underground <laughs> military
1: right. s- recording studio i can't get it i can't get it. i cannot get our site to load with our questions which annoys me
0: mm-hmm.
1: but one of i'll give two questions one of the one is one we need to think about before next time because i forgot to tell you it last time okay but one of the questions i remember seeing was which of the stories that we have done that is bizarre do you think is the most likely to be true
0: oh yeah i'd have to look back like this one i I I don't know what we talked about like two episodes ago
1: the the one that i i like my bet sphere like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's so much i feel like there's a lot of Actual evidence. Actual like evidence mm-hmm. that the Bet Sphere existed and that it was something unique. Like photos? Yeah. Like photos <laughs> of it photos? and stories of people who interacted with it. So mm-hmm. that one I think it's a crazy story, but I think that one is very
0: plausible. Plausible.
1: I really yeah. do. I mean that's one of the ones.
0: I'm gonna go with Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I figured
1: you go with Bigfoot. You know, stuff like this, the, like stuff like the Philadelphia experiment and Dulce Base, stuff like that fascinates me, but it's just hard to buy into it's it. It's just so overboard. It's it's overboard. And there's just. So this guy took all these videos and, and footage and stuff. Where is it? Yeah, where are they? They're supposedly videos and pictures, but they look so fake that oh, you can you find just, online okay. and stuff like that.
0: Just pop somebody, just Photoshop something. Yeah. yeah.
1: So those, I think, I don't know. I don't buy these because they're too. I don't get the reasoning behind why somebody is spouting the stories, but I think they're too right. far out there. But one's like the Bet sphere. I can yeah. 100% get behind. Me too. Bigfoot, I can get behind because there's been enough people that have-
0: Some experience, some ghosts, counter.
1: I 100% get behind because mm-hmm. of the experiences you and I had. But as far as like the one that's the craziest that we could buy into-
0: Yeah, I guess craziest. Bigfoot's not that crazy.
1: B- missing 411 is crazy.
0: It is. Yeah, and I'm totally behind that. I'm
1: totally behind that too. But then I was, you know, a lot of people brought up when I was researching this stuff that how many, like one of the big things is how many children go missing every year. And skeptics say what you have to realize is that, say, your five-year-old neighbor down the block runs away. They call the cops, and then two hours later, he's found. That stays on the report as a missing child.
0: Oh, really? Yes,
1: that that a lot of people that all these missing children have and stuff actually been found have actually been found and that there's only a small number of children. I'd that like actually, to believe that. I'd like to believe that too.
0: Jeez. Jeez. But I don't know.
1: That was the question is which of your stories that's 100% crazy is the one that you can buy into?
0: <sighs> yeah, maybe I need... I, I don't know that I can definitively answer that. No, so that might be one at... to think of
1: for next... And another one to think of for next time is somebody asked us because that's the one I saw last, last time. What was your... What was the funniest... Or most interesting experience you had at work in your life. Hmm. So that's something I'm gonna have. Yeah, to think I want about. to think about it. Yeah. So funniest I'm funniest or
0: most experience I've had at work. Okay.
1: I'm just annoyed that I cannot get our website to work. See, I'm getting a connection timed out. It's just not connecting to that website.
0: Huh. But you can get on like Facebook. And I can everything get on everything else. else. Oh, yeah, that's the website. But it's just our
1: website is down. I think it's the government. There, they know what we're doing they're trying to shut us down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we know all about dulce base and
0: dulce base
1: shush shush, shush whatever his name Shushushka. was the alien
0: shish kebab shakshuka like i've never worked in a haunted location or anything like that Yeah. although i have heard some people say the building i work in is haunted but i i've never seen any evidence of that i do i did actually think of something well we'll save it for the next episode no you can we can do it now are you sure yeah. do you have a story you can tell and when i say working it was i was a babysitter so i technically was earning money so i was on the job and it was something really weird that happened to me when i was babysitting once do you want me to tell the story so in my little village where i grew up which bdz is moving oh yeah to my hometown which is like the weirdest thing i've ever seen like who would move there Um, which I didn't, I didn't live in the town she's moving to. I went to like grade school, high school, et cetera there. I, I grew up in a village just outside of there, but just down the road from our house, I was babysitting and the kids were in bed. They were sleeping. I was lying on the couch watching a scary old like black and white movie and the parents were gone, obviously. And I heard what sounded like somebody dropping a tool in the garage. Oh, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. Yep. I heard the clang of the tool hit like the concrete floor, and I thought I heard a man swear. And that was all I heard. I was too afraid. Great babysitter. (laughs) I should have investigated what that was, but I didn't. I just laid there and pretended to be sleeping until the parents came home. I didn't say anything. Because A, I thought they would have thought I was nuts. And B, I was too afraid to go and look and see what it was. And I, I, I think back to that and think, was there a person in the garage or was that like a paranormal thing that happened?
1: I'm guessing there was a person in the garage. Which is, I would rather have it be paranormal. Nowhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're all Because if the there's, there's somebody, country, yeah, if you're out there
1: alone and there's somebody in the garage.
0: Well, what's weird is they made so much noise in that one moment, but I never heard anything else. It's not like if there was a person, they weren't trying to be quiet. They were dropping stuff and swearing loudly yeah. over it. Why would they? I never hear another noise then. That's what made me question if it was an actual person. Yeah. But yeah, I can't think of anything crazy that's ever happened. I don't know while if it had working. to be paranormal,
1: but if we're gonna do paranormal, I talked about this on here before, where I was at the factory at uh, where I oh, worked yeah, with yeah. with April, my friend April, mm-hmm. who was running one machine, and I was running one machine, and you know we're just both looking in our machine. She's running her machine, and I'm looking in mine and watching the rings load, and then I hear her say my name, and I could tell by the way she said my name something had happened. And I turn around and she was just white. And she's like, did you see that? And I said, no, I was looking at my machine. And that's when she said she turned around and she said over her and I in our area was this black pulsating cloud. Hmm. And she said when it, when she looked up, it was like it knew she looked up and she said it went moving and sped around the corner. Oh, it's so freaky. And went away. And, and she was shook. And April did not shake easily. She was like, you're tough, yeah. tough as nails girl. Mm-hmm. And she was freaked out. So did it, it anything
0: was, bad happen around that time?
1: I don't think so. It seems but like it, it a was bad right around man, that time you know? where, where her and her husband went out to Cato Falls. And Cato Falls is creepy.
0: Okay. Have you been yeah, to Cato heard about, there's something, been there, but I've heard of it. I've heard
1: of it. It's like, I don't know. It's like even when it's you're not there, right. it's not right. Like okay. there's something there. And they went, her and her husband went out there fishing, and they said they felt weird. They mm-hmm. felt like they were being watched
0: before or after that before it was right
1: around the time okay. i don't remember where they were and they were being watched and
0: like maybe something followed her back
1: and she, no I, th- I think it would i don't i think this was maybe i don't know but mm-hmm. she said they felt they were being watched and they went home and they were sitting on the couch watching a movie that night and she said she looked over by the bathroom the hallway the lights were off and it's it looked like somebody was standing in her bathroom door and oh. she nudged her husband and he looked and he got up and he's like who is that and all of a sudden they were gone. Oh, I got the all of a sudden they were gone. And it was right around the time that this happened. So she, it was like, but mm. she was, like I said, she was not faking it. She saw something and she said it was this black cloud that like hovered over her and I that's in crazy. our department and then vanished around the corner. Hmm. So that's that's my that's weird freaky. work one. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. So yeah, there you go. I guess we answered the question. Yeah.
1: When, I, when I still can't get the site to load, but I opened up like a random question site and like the first one that came up it said what would be the worst thing to hear is you're going under anesthesia before heart surgery oh my god <laughs> yeah, i don't know the worst thing
0: to hear before you were going would under be the doctor anesthesia? going oh, what, how do i do this yeah <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that was the first thing that popped in my head
0: can you add a little more vodka to myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah um. sorry
1: i can't get our question site to load but i'll maybe, well, maybe
0: try to do it later copy and paste and, them yeah, yeah, yeah do some screenshots or something yeah all right you want to do your song
1: Yes, our theme for this week was a song that reminds us, reminds us of a very specific time or place. And I could have talked about this on here already. I don't remember. I'm starting to like blend with what songs we've mentioned and mm-hmm. what songs we haven't. Same. But this is a really personal one to me. And this is from the 80s. And you, you can let me know if this sounds familiar. But it was a summer night. And I want to say it was around 1988. Like the year I graduated, my friends were coming to pick me up and we were going to the Mantua County Fair. And it was just like a simple thing. Like I was sitting down, I was living, we were living with my grandma at the time and I was sitting down in the chair in the hallway by the front door waiting for them to come and get me. And I had my old school Walkman on with the, you know, the old <laughs> chunky Walkman. <laughs> yeah. And I was listening to the song that at the time is was one of my favorite songs. And it is the song If We Never Meet Again by Tommy Conwell and the Young Rumblers. It was like a real minor 80s hit. Okay. It was played on the radio a couple times and went nowhere. But I still love the song. But that song reminds me, I was sitting there in the chair waiting for my friends to come and get me, and I'm listening to the song. And she had one of those windows along the side of the door and the sun was starting to lower. So the sunbeam was coming in and there were dust particles floating Mm. in it. And I just remember being so content. You Mm. know, my friends were coming to get me that mean the world to me and still mean the world to me. You know, like Jim Ollick, he listens Mm -hmm. to this, he'll hear this. But they were coming to pick me up and I'm listening to this song, waiting for my friends to show up. And I was just completely happy. So when I hear that song, it reminds me of that moment.
0: My my story is exactly the is same it, type of it, story. Like that, it's just a dumb. That? It's just a. It's not, it's not even an exciting scenario. It's me sitting right. in this chair, a watching the happiness. dust in the
1: sun coming mm-hmm. through the window, knowing that I had my whole life before me. Yep, you know, I still was happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that that's my moment is that song. And whenever I hear that song, it brings me back to that moment of waiting for my friends to pick me up to take me to the county fair.
0: Nice. Yep, I love it. Yeah, mine is similar. I mean, not the scenario, just the feeling. It was this is maybe fifteen years ago. My friend Jill and I were going to go. So there's a couple of bands involved here, but there was a band that's from Minnesota that did a lot of touring in uh, Wisconsin called The Big Woo.
1: I've heard of the Big Woo, and we
0: were big fans. Like we went to see them everywhere all the time. Like we were always going to see the Big Woo. They had really good original music. And so they had this weekend long festival, long weekend festival, like probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday called the Big Wu Family Reunion. And it was at a campground in Minnesota and it was just camping and music all weekend long. And so we were going for the first time together, my friend Jill and I, I don't know where Jim was. And I think other people met us there, but I just night before I just had this memory of us. So now back to a different scenario this is the night before we were leaving we went to see a band at a venue in milwaukee called shank hall and we'd seen many bands at shank Shank hall
1: was like a big uh concert place
0: yeah but it's it's small it's not it's a really small venue actually and the band that we were going to see you could never see at shank hall anymore they sell out like big arenas now and they're called umphreys mcgee i don't know if you've ever heard heard yes i've heard of them so we went to see Umphreys at Shank Hall, and they were going to be at the Big Woo Family Reunion, too. So yeah. we're like, yeah, we'll get a twofer. We'll see him at Shank <laughs> Hall. And then
1: see him at the, yeah. the Big Woo." Yeah.
0: And it was just like this night of anticipation of the weekend that was coming. Jill's like one of my favorite people in the world. We've been to so many shows together. And they did a cover of Paul Simon's late in the evening that just... There's a line in the song that says I blew that room away. That's exactly what it was cuz they had the most amazing sound. They had the horn section, they had everything. Like this band is like stellar. Yeah. And that moment of just that song and being so impressed by them. It was the first time I think I had seen them live. And that moment of just like, oh, we're we're so happy. We're about to yeah. go to this music festival yep. together and It <laughs>
1: is a lot like it mine. It was like
0: the perfect moment, the perfect weekend. Yep. It wasn't really about the song. It's a great song. It was just that moment, that moment in of, time. Yeah, yep. not a care in the world. Yes, and, and that's exactly what so mine much was, anticipation. not a care,
1: knowing yeah. that I was going to be Good with friends. my friends. Yeah, yep. that's cool. <laughs> we both kind of had the same theme. Yeah, totally. But yeah, awesome.
0: Weird, weird side note, when we got to the Big Blue Family Reunion the next day, we pulled into a parking space, a.k.a. a huge field where a bunch of people were being told to park. And my friend Jason, who I didn't even know was coming, pulled up right next to us. Like I didn't even know he was gonna be there. He didn't know I was gonna be there. He parked right next to us. We looked at each other, we're like, <laughs> What what are you doing here? And we ended up camping together the whole weekend. And then yeah. him and Jill ended up dating actually. So that started like a whole thing. But yeah, it was just like this crazy, <laughs> amazing, is. perfect weekend. That's cool. That started with a cover of that song. Yep.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I like that story. Fun stuff. Cool.
0: It's odd for me to have a song that reminds me of one specific time, because when I listen to music, I've been listening to it probably for years, and so I have a lot of memories associated with it, but to have a song that always brings one very specific memory was hard for me to come up with, but... It was easy it. for me
1: because this is always like a thing. This The is like, one song. Yeah. And like I said, that's a really personal moment for me. So that might even be the first time I told anybody about that. I've never that. heard but, that And it's story. just dumb because it's nothing it's, not dumb. it's nothing great, but it's just this little moment. Like one of yeah. those moments when you have when you're younger where you're like, God, I, I'm happy to be alive. I got my whole life ahead of yeah. me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Perfect and contentment. I, Like I said, just seeing the sun coming through the window and watching the dust dance in the sunlight. And it's like, ugh.
0: No, and you had a fun night ahead of you. Yeah. So, I love
1: it. So, yeah, that was my moment. And like I said, nobody probably remembers the song, but <laughs> I love the song. It's a good song. So, but it's a very 80s, you know. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll post, post these. Ooh. Ooh.
0: That's a Gucciard. <laughs> That's <was> a Gucciard. <laughs>
1: So, I think that's it. Oh, I. We're don't... approaching two
0: hours, so I okay. hope so. How long have we got? An hour and 52 minutes. Oh, my God.
1: I'm going to run through the deets. The deets. Email us at the sessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at strange session without the S. Krista does a fantastical job on Instagram at the sessions. Send us postcards and snail mail to the strange sessions, PO box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221 <laughs> 0434. And you can call our phone number, 920 443 9605. To.
0: You're like the disclaimer guy in the commercials. Yeah. Side effects <laughs> side effects, effects may include. <laughs> don't take this if you're allergic to it. Yeah,
1: and like uh, that's always like, how are you going to know you're allergic to it if Until you didn't you already take it? Take it and yeah, find I out. know. Anyway, it's crazy. So I think that's it for today. Uh, sorry, it was kind of a thrown together episode. I wanted to, I wanted to have more about Phil Schneider, but I felt like it was getting so long. So we might do a deeper dive on Phil Schneider at some time. That'd be cool. But some crazy stuff. I'll say. So we should have called this our deep underground military base. But oh well. I still I, like Strange Cellar. Yeah, I dig the Strange Cellar. I'm partial seller. A Strange seller. So next time Corey will be joining us, he's going to bring a mini mystery. And cool. I think Krista and I might do many, many, many mysteries. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to revisit something? Yes. I have a, just a weird little story that I want to bring up. So we're going to talk about that.
0: I'm going to do an update to an episode from Our very first season. Yeah, way back. And
1: Corey's going to join you on that because Corey watched that with you, and I didn't. But I'm going to bring you something that I read about on the kind of sketchy Crazy Days and Crazy Nights website that's kind of like a gossip website.
0: Okay. But they had a
1: story on there that I thought was interesting. I don't know if I 100% buy it, but I'm going to bring it up and talk about it. Sweet. So that's coming up next time, and I think that's it. I think so. So from Krista and I in the Strange Cellar, until next time, stay stay strange.
0: strange.